So now it is my pleasure to be able to introduce Dr. Tyson Yunker-Porter. Dr. Tyson Yunker-Porter is a senior research fellow at Deakin Research. He's the founder of the Indigenous Knowledge Systems Lab at Deakin University and the inaugural Perku Muritija UniSA Visiting Research Fellow. He is the author of an award-winning book, Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. And his list of acclaims is long, including being an academic, educator, indigenous thinker, a maker. So he, he does traditional carving. He's an arts critic, researcher, and poet. Now, if I had one of those things that I did well, I'd be pretty happy. So standing next to Tyson, I only have respect. And Tyson's been acknowledged as one of the finest Aboriginal scholars in the country and an exceptional educator, leader, and mentor. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just start with some inspirational stuff about how you can end up with a list of accomplishments as long as mine. It's just, um, just you know, don't don't try and do one thing well. You know, do a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of things badly, and you know, and <laughs> just have a long list because you know everyone likes a CV. Still a very junior member of the academy, and. Um, you know, also like a really junior person in terms of Indigenous knowledge in my community as well. Um, but, you know, uh, here I am. And the exciting thing is that most of us are fairly, most of the people in the world are fairly junior in both of those things. So, um, you know, it's a pretty big audience. Um, so we'll have to talk about that too. And what even is the relevance of Indigenous knowledge beyond your own place, you know. Um, and But there's some interesting things there that um, make it not even relevant, not just relevant, but um, through like various sort of abductive reasonings, um, you know, it can be Aboriginal knowledge out of its place can actually be quite startlingly, startlingly productive and um, can lend some pretty amazing perspectives, you know, that, that can foster some pretty innovative thinking and, and exciting sort of projects. Uh, we'll get to that. <clears throat> Mostly, I think Indigenous knowledge provides a a, a, um, a proper degree of cynicism um, from from my point of view, because it is good to sort of uh, pull up from time to time when we're getting too excited about um, carbon offsets and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm going to kick off with a little story. So, stop me if you've heard this one. No, don't stop me because it'll have a different ending. Um, but I guess if you've been to any kind of self-help or training or kind of, you know, uh, stuff that's supposed to be inspiring and all this sort of stuff, you certainly would have heard the first part of this story before. But no one hears the empire. Uh, and it's that one uh, where it's a beach. It's set on a beach. Um, in a non-specified location, uh, as most stories are uh, these days. It's just a beach somewhere, and it's after a storm, like a particularly big storm and a massive king tide, like there's been a huge storm, and all the starfish in the sea around there, all these starfish, billions and billions of starfish have all been swept up onto the beach so that you can't even see the sand. It's just blanketed, carpeted with uh, billions of starfish. But there is a man, one man, one man standing alone on that beach. He's picking up the starfish one by one and lobbing them out into the sea. He picks one up, throws it out. 
he's the glass half full fellow, you know. Anyway, a glass half empty fellow comes along and just starts laughing at him and says, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? There's billions of them. You throw a starfish back in, what difference could that possibly make? How do you think you're making a difference here? And the fella, first fellow, he picks up another starfish and throws it out into the sea and said, made a difference to that one. See, and that's the, that's the learning part usually of the story there. And then they like, uh, so they both start picking up the starfish together and throwing them out into the sea because, you know, one person's actions, you know, these things, these things can spread and, um, and together we can all make a difference, etc. But then the part of the story you don't hear then is when the um, Aboriginal woman, old auntie, um, she marches down onto that beach with a stick and starts smacking both of those men. Stop that. Stop it right now. Those are crown of thorns, starfish. What are you doing? They're an invasive pest from overseas and they're eating my reef. The sea has like it's taken ages. The sea has found a way to get them all out of the ocean and, and, and stop this problem and save the reef from getting eaten by these things. And now you're there throwing breeding females back into the ocean, you idiots. And she belts them around the head. Anyway, um, that's probably where the story would end. It probably wouldn't end with the part where they call the cops and the cops come and uh, take her off somewhere. Um, and, you know, later I guess she dies of natural causes or something like that. That's... Uh, yeah, so that's that's that little story. Um, you've got to wonder what role Indigenous knowledges can play when we're talking about systems change. Systems change. How do you change those systems? You know, I mean, I guess, I don't know, there, there could be like a starfish committee there or, or something and you could get auntie on that committee and, centre some Indigenous voices that way and then put that out in the newsletter and, hey, look, we're centering this Indigenous voice here with Artie and we're just so honoured that she's uh, on the crown of Thorns Starfish, you know, breeding programs uh, committee or something like that, uh, you know, but the, the systems themselves, um, yeah, that they haven't been changed there. You know, having Artie's picture up in the lobby, um, you know, having her in some kind of nominal position on the on the committee for running that thing, um, you know, uh, putting her forward, hiring more Indigenous people to go down to the beach and throw the starfish back in and saying, look, we're creating Indigenous employment. Uh, we're creating Indigenous jobs. We're, um, we're, you know, we're promoting equality and fairness and social justice and we're giving people work and we're closing the gap all these young people out sort of moving around, getting fit, walking along the beach, throwing the crown of thorns, starfish back into the ocean. Things are happening. Things are working out. Um, yeah, that's not systems change. And i got to tell you, with half of the SDGs that I'm looking at, um, that's I'm not seeing systems change. I'm seeing a coat of paint on the walls and there's ants in the walls. You know, um, you probably, if you don't want your house to fall down, you're probably going to want to look to the ants in the walls rather than just putting a nice sparkly fresh coat of paint on top. What exactly does it mean to eliminate all poverty? What's the systemic way of doing that? 
oh, well, we're going to help the, um, we're going to help all the starving people to, you know, develop. They need to get more developed. Um, oh, oh, there's frightful poverty and, and and hunger and inequality in Ecuador. Let's let's uh, let's help those people develop. You know, so that they can rise up to become. You know, the equivalent of, you know, well, who's the nations that are doing really well in the world? Who's the nations that are really sustainable and they have heaps of equity and they have circular economies and they've got really clean energy stuff going on and all these sorts of things? Who's doing it right? Who's managed to find that happy balance between capitalism and socialism and sort of make sure everybody's got what they need? Well, that would be the Vikings, wouldn't it? That would be the Scandinavian countries. They're doing really well. Unfortunately, that they're doing well because they're still extracting. I mean, they're not extracting in their own backyard. That'd be insane. That's 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 what places like Australia do, who haven't figured out yet that you can't pee in your own pool. You know, you want to go and pee in someone else's. So, um, like for example, where would Norway be? I mean, so sustainable Norway, but where would it be without the passive income that they get from? owning two-thirds of Ecuador's nationalised oil, right, you know, and fossil fuels. They own two-thirds of that. So Ecuadorians, you know, they work to get all that out, and then a third of it Ecuador gets to keep for itself and sell, and that's what they they do to um, to sort of limp by on their social programs. They manage to pay for it like that because God knows they're not getting much taxes from everybody there. So... Um, you know, but Norway is just sort of, they just get to sit back and enjoy two-thirds of that as passive income. And that's that's what, um, you know, keeps them as a first-world developed country that's doing just so great. I mean, it's doing so great. You know, it's just reduced all its, oh, reduced all its, um, you know, carbon emissions. You know, it's, it's doing great stuff. Not much poverty. No one's starving in Norway. Everything's going really well. So, I mean, how exactly do people intend to develop everybody in the world to the stage where they can enjoy the same economic status as countries that are um, only enjoying high economic status, uh, socioeconomic status and good outcomes like that by extracting from and destroying um, the lives of other people in other countries? I mean... Short of finding a couple of planets um, f- filled with people that don't have as much guns as we do here and, you know, outsourcing all that misery to them, short of doing that, I don't think you're going to actually, you know, just develop everybody up within this system. It's a game of musical chairs and there's a hell of a lot more people than chairs here and that's just uh, that's just increasing all the time. So if you're looking at um, trying to find actual systemic solutions to these things and actual different ways of being, uh, different ways of thriving, different economies, different governance systems. Um, You've got to do some serious auditing of the systems that are there and you've got to do some very serious analysis to identify uh, basins of attraction uh, that can be used to maximise any kind of change efforts uh, you need to really work hard to find the leverage points within that system, um, you know, to see what can be moved and how. 